2: Welcome to the program. It's Wednesday and yes, I'm live and I want to start off by apologizing for yesterday. We were here. The mic was in front of me and we found out 10 minutes before the program went on that we lost our Internet connection and the people were here working on it. So I apologize for that. But we're back today. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. This is the word to stand on for life a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions or life questions, uh, questions about this crazy world that we're living in right now. Whatever's on your heart, dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at CalvarySA.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send your questions to us that way. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is using the free kslr mobile app just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen you'll be connected directly to our studio producer hey because it's wednesday we are having service tonight i'm going to talk more about this i have an opportunity to talk about it with my first question but we have service tonight at seven o'clock i'll be in genesis chapter three part two of the fall i think these are extraordinarily important uh, bible studies in chapter three so that'll be tonight at seven o'clock and then, of course, tomorrow's Thursday, and Paula will be live in the studio with me on the date day edition of the program. We'd love to have your calls and questions about anything. Now, as I get to start answering some questions now, let me just say that um, whatever your questions are, if you've got questions about things you're going through because of this virus scare or anything else, um, uh, anything at all, we'll, uh, we'll do the best that we can to help. So uh, please... Um, feel free to ask anything that's on your heart or mind these are are really crazy times let's go I get a phone call waiting so let's go to that let's go to Ray calling on line one from San Antonio Ray thanks for calling you're on the air
1: hello Pastor Ron this is Ray on line one
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to change your last name to line one
1: yeah yeah um I, I'm curious to know, because I think you uh, frequent uh, Malta Medical, and I believe they're open, and I wonder if this, this uh, latest uh, hoopla has affected their, their uh, business at all. I mean, do they have a huge influx? or uh, I just was curious about that. And I'll listen on the uh, radio.
2: Thank you for asking, Ray. And I've got a. That gives me an opportunity to ask for prayer for them. Uh, Yeah, their business is robust at uh, Multimedical. Now, it always is because we're free. It's a free doctor's office. And so uh, the business is, is always robust. But. Um, um, we, we have had an increase in people. Things like this happen. And I think worse than the potential illness is the fear that surrounds it. And so, yeah, we are going through some difficult things here. What I would like to ask you, Ray, to do and everybody in the radio program is to pray for our doctors and our staff. Now, um, you know, we're not a huge clinic. I don't have 20 doctors on staff. But our doctors and our nurses, if they get sick, now, legally, if they get sick, if somebody contracts the virus, we've got to close down. We are going to close down, and they're going to be in quarantine for 14 to 21 days, and then we can go back and start. But, uh, you know, they're around sick people all the time. Uh, there are a few people who are wanting to be tested. I mean, the normal kinds of fear, and the testing equipment is simply not available yet. It's just beginning to be rolled out. Uh, But please pray for our staff. Uh, Pray that the Lord would protect them. They're sort of hoarding some masks so that they're protected a little bit. And even that, we know, doesn't really do a lot. Um, but as of right now, uh, everything is fine. They're up and they're functional, and and uh, God is really using them. One other thing you can pray for, uh, Malta Medical, and this is something I pray for daily, is, uh, Lord, not only bless them and protect them, but I pray that somebody gets saved today. You see, they're ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ while they're ministering to the physical needs of the patients there. So, yeah, there has been uh, a bump in... Um, uh, need certainly but uh, our greatest need is uh, just to be sure it's a small environment so if one of them uh, catches this virus and it tests positive for it eventually uh, if symptoms begin to appear then we're going to have to close um, Multimedical for two to three weeks so please 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 keep them in your prayer the Lord is really and truly using them they're open they will continue to be Um, I pray that uh, they get the needed supplies to support the community. Uh, These are just hard times and difficult things. Uh, One other thing that I can say, and I don't know what the effect will be on this radio program down the road, but with churches closing, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, um, you know, uh, times of, of panic like we're experiencing, uh, giving goes down in the church, and Malta Medical is a ministry that is 100% supported by the church here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Nobody pays anything, and, um, you know, this kind of a crisis threatens our ability, Ray, to do that. So I'd add provision to our prayers as well. Good question. Thank you, Ray, for giving me the opportunity to ask for prayer for them. Uh, Here's a question from Raymond. Not Ray, but Raymond. And this is the one that's giving me an opportunity to talk about some of the things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, Raymond asks, if a church closes because of the virus, do they lack faith? Uh, Raymond, the answer is no. Uh, and, And let me explain that by... By going over our situation, I'm going to announce uh, tonight some changes uh, as they relate to our schedule here as well. Um, You know, we Christians, we, we, we certainly don't lack faith here at Calvary Chapel, and we're not giving in to fear. I said last Sunday that uh, it is our intent at that time to be here. Whenever it's time for Bible study, I'm going to be here, and if you're not comfortable, then it's fine, but I'm going to be here, I'm going to teach whoever shows up. Well, things changed drastically this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, with the president's... news conferences uh, and the push is on it's almost a lockdown nationally uh, the push is on to make sure that, that people aren't meeting at all together in places and then we run the risk of one of two things either on one side Raymond like your question implies well they're closing because they're afraid or because they don't have faith uh, on the other side there's a bunch of people Christians sadly who are, are critical because we are open and, um, um, you know, I think at this time in our church culture, especially the body of Christ needs one another. And I think just by virtue of what the body of Christ does, I think the worst thing that can happen is that we stop meeting together. The word says, do not forsake the assembling together of the saints. If we do that because we're afraid, then we're opening ourselves up uh, and being vulnerable to uh, attacks from the enemy and and certainly we we need to to to, to continue to meet in fellowship now, having said that, uh, we also want to witness. we don't want to compromise our witness and and there are people who are afraid, and whether that fear is rational or not is between you and god i I, I can't tell you,'m not a doctor uh, i don't know um, I'm not afraid, but i, I you know I, I can't judge somebody who is. Uh, And in my opinion, um, we've come to a place where it is indefensible um, as somebody who wants to support our president, our governors, as we are told to do in Romans chapter 13. um, It's indefensible when virtually every church is closed. We were one of the very, very few, if not the only one who who met on, on Sunday past um we we decided that that we've got to close we've also got a free school here so we made the decision to close everything down at the end of tonight's business our school is already dismissed they will not be coming back uh, for two weeks Um, uh, the public schools closed extended spring break a week we were here in school during this week uh, but they have extended now to two weeks and so we will not reopen our school until April the 6th. That's a Monday, Uh, and uh, it is our plan now. Remember, things are fluid. They're changing very quickly, but right now, uh, that is our plan. Uh, After tonight, we are not going to have services here. Um, uh, live in, in terms of people in the audience. Uh, tonight, people will be here. Anybody who wants to come, you're sure. Welcome to come if you feel safe and want to do it. We couldn't get the word out to, to do it um, uh, tonight. It was not enough time. Uh, so we are going to have our service tonight. It will be live streamed as usual. Uh, but on Friday night, we have service. And on Sunday when we have service, for the next two weeks, Uh, We are going to come back on Sunday, April the 5th, live with people here, our church body here. Until then, we are going to live stream our services, and I'll just be talking to empty seats, which will be weird, really, really weird. Uh, But we're going to do Bible studies. That's what we do at Calvary Chapel. So I'm going to be teaching the Bible on Friday night, 7 o'clock, live stream it. and you are uh, welcome to enjoy. And we pray that you are blessed. On Sunday, we're going to do a real time service on uh, Sunday morning at eight thirty, which is our first of three services. Um, again, nobody will be here, but a worship team and sound team. Paula will be here because I make her come. <laughs> but um, um, we'll do the service. I'll teach the Bible. Uh, And then that service will be repeated at ten fifteen and eleven fifty nine, which are the times of our other two services. So whatever service that people go to, um, um, you know, they can just continue to worship with us at home. And again, we'll have our worship team and our sound and and video people. Um, And uh, you'll see me on an empty stage in a pretty empty room uh, teaching the Bible. We will not have people in the. Uh, churches, We want to support um, our president's request, and it is our plan uh, to do that for two weeks until April the 5th, and that will be a communion Sunday for us. And uh, I imagine um, um, it, it is my desire to be here. Now, having said that, Raymond, let me get your question. We're not closing because we lack faith closing because I want people who are afraid now whether their their fear is rational or not that's not my issue here but the fear is real and it's being driven by the media in this country and we want everybody to know that the one thing we need the most is the word of God we need the fellowship of God's people and we're always in a dangerous place when we remove ourselves from that So personally, I can imagine being out for more than two Sundays. However, having said that, um, remember this is a fluid situation that changes quickly. Um, We're doing it. Um, I'm not happy about it. Uh, It is sort of depressing a little bit. Uh, We're risking so much. Uh, Whenever you close the doors and things like this happen, uh, people don't come back. Um, the church uh, a lot of times it's, it's just a, a really dangerous time everybody be on guard the attack of the enemy we don't have to guess what it is um, additionally um, stay in touch with people minister ministry doesn't stop so minister to people as you can just don't let this virus do the work or accomplish the work the enemy wants to do. All over this nation, people will be out of church for two weeks, and most people say, well, that's not a big deal. It's a very big deal if church is as integral to your life as it should be. So I hope that answers your question, Raymond. Thank you very, very much. And anybody that has questions uh, about uh, Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, you can go to our website, calvarysa.com, and uh, you can um, read it. Uh, And I'm sure it'll answer your questions. We got Ray on line one. I don't know if it's the same Ray, but if it's the same Ray. Hi, Ray.
1: Same Ray, same line one. Pastor Ron, when I heard that you were uh, broadcasting and having empty chairs, I thought, well, heavens to Betsy, how when 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 Sam is finished with his uh well, no, before he does he go somebody says, Well, let's go hug somebody. So I'm wondering <laughs> how are you going to handle are we gonna get a virtual hug from <laughs> those in present yeah. that are blessed or what? Yeah.
2: You, you know, <laughs> I, that's it. I was
1: against against all uh Uh, caution, I was at service, uh, the first service on Sunday, and, uh, uh, I did get my hug from, uh, BP3. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, send us all a virtual hug or explain it a little bit. Okay. Okay.
2: Thank you, Ray Ray. I, I, will, I will explain uh, to, to the people who are watching online, and I'll give them lots of love. But a couple of things are going to change. By the way, I was going to change our meet and greet until this thing was over anyway. We we get really serious about our meet and greet here at Calvary Chapel. So uh, I was going to change it anyway and say, you know, we're going to forego that. Uh, for a few weeks while we're waiting for, for things, hopefully, to return to normal. Um, but um, on Sunday, we're going to change a couple of things. There's no need for announcements if there's nobody in the audience. Um, um, so um, I, I'll just I'll be sure everybody knows uh, that we love them. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate that very, very much. You know, another thing everybody can pray for, and not just Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, but everybody... This is a very hard time for churches. When people don't come, they don't give. And uh, the ministries that that go on in churches, and ours as well, um, they need to be supported. So uh, please don't stop supporting uh, with your generous offerings the church that God has put you in. Let's go to a next question. It's from Dave. He says, In John 14 mansions in heaven are noted can you explain that please i can dave Um, uh, mansions is a really bad translation that's the king james translation of the verse uh, Jesus is tell him, telling them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And he's doing it at a time, Dave, when when um, the, the disciples are at their lowest point. They're, they're, they're being told, it's the upper room discourse. They're they're being told that Jesus is about to die. Uh, he's going to leave them. They're terrified. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, I don't think that worked. I think their hearts remain troubled. But here's what he said. He said, and this is my... Constant refrain, look up. Don't look out, look up. And he says, in my Father's house are many in the room. There is dwelling places. That's what the literal translation is. Uh, some uh, translations say rooms, but dwelling places. Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So these aren't mansions like we understand mansions in uh, on Earth here, day. Um, you know, we've I've heard false teachers talk about the mansion that they have waiting for them, and God has showed them their mansion on their street of gold. And I even saw the name of my street, and all oh, my mansion is so big. And 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 that's nonsense. It refers to there's a body waiting for us, a body that's been prepared for us. When we have to shed these bodies, these earthly bodies, the ones that we dwell in now. Well. Because these bodies can't go to heaven, there's a body there that Jesus prepared. And when we go to heaven, we will be with him, and in an instant we will inhabit our glorified, resurrected, physical body. It'll be absent of sin nature. Praise the Lord for that. But we'll inhabit that, that, that heavenly body, and we will be forever with the Lord. And so it has nothing to do with mansions or rewards, the way we would view rewards from Earth's perspective. It has everything to do with um, our future that is secure in Christ because He made the way. He gave us access to heaven and to our new bodies. So that's what mansions is a reference to. Here is an anonymous question he says or she says. I am in a small church and want to know how, since there's no voting on things, to hold the pastor accountable. Well, anonymous, two things. One, it's not your job to hold the pastor accountable. That's God's job and God will do it. Uh, If you want a church where, where the congregation votes, then go to find a church with congregational government style. A Baptist church is typically a congregational style of government. Uh, but don't try to change the church you're in. Go find a church that fits your idea. I, I For the life of me, uh, Anonymous, I, I struggle with, with people wanting the right to have input. I understand in our country we do that. but But in the church we're all servants, and I think we forget that we're servants way too often. And we want to say so. We want our opinions to matter. There's nothing in your opinion or mine that matters. So in a small church, be a unifier, Anonymous. Don't be a divider. Be somebody who supports your pastor rather than somebody who wants to be a watchdog over your pastor. Pray for him continually. And as long as he is not teaching false doctrine, demonstrably false doctrine, as long as he's not living in open unrepentant sin then your pastor needs your love and your support now if he's teaching false doctrine then respectfully go to him and in an honoring way challenge him but do it privately and if you don't get the right response then just leave but it's not your job to hold the pastor accountable I said earlier God will do that he'll do a pretty good job You may not do it as quickly as you want him to do it but believe me in a small church especially unity matters a great deal so pray for your pastor love him serve him ask him what can i do small church you must have a lot of needs that aren't being tended to is there any way i can help you and if you'll do that faithfully then god will do something special he'll he'll bring you into a relationship with a pastor where he can trust you and depend on you and often will seek out your counsel on things in the meantime be a servant of God period so I hope that really hits home in your heart Robert wants to know how can I say for sure someone who is in another religion believes wrong Who am I to judge what someone else believes only God can know for sure? Well, Robert, God, of course, knows for sure. But but see, we know for sure who God is. So we don't have to judge anybody. We can say the Bible says, and we know the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. So that's what we do. We simply know what's true. Jesus said, anyone on the side of truth listens to me. He said the Spirit of God when he comes and he has come will lead us into all truth. And so what you do, Robert, is you simply say the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And if they want to argue with you, say, well, you know, then then argue with the empty tomb. You see, if you look historically at the overwhelming evidence, Jesus lived, he died, he didn't stay dead. And that validates his claim to be the only way. And Robert, if you really care about people, this isn't a matter of judging what they believe, it's just a matter of saying, this is true, anything else is not true. If you really care about those people, then you'll tell them the truth. And your statement, that only God knows for sure, indicates you don't really know much about your faith. You're calling to a Christian radio program, I'm assuming that you were a believer, but you don't know anything about your faith. Because if you did, you'd know that not only God knows for sure, but we can know for sure because those answers are provided to us in the Word of God. We've got to get over this polite, and we always want to be kind, we always want to be polite, but this idea that, oh no, I don't dare tell somebody that what they believe is wrong. It's our job to do so, Robert. Paul says that we should be active in sharing our faith. So that we have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. If you'd start sharing Jesus, I promise you the Holy Spirit would answer all the questions that you have. But we cannot stand by idly and let somebody who is going to hell because they believe in God in another fashion or form, not in Jesus Christ. We can't stand idly by while they go to hell. We've got to tell them the truth. And unless we do, we don't really understand this treasure we have in the gospel of Christ. We have 30 minutes left in the Wednesday program, three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have questions or calls about anything, including this crisis our nation is in, um, let's talk about it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'll be back in two minutes. Don't have time to call into the word to stand on for life? No problem. If you've got questions, you can email them to Pastor Ron at Pastor Ron KSOR at Gmail.com. That's Pastor Ron KSOR at
0: Gmail.com. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh
2: to the program 30 minutes left for this Wednesday edition 340-9585 let's go to Cindy on line 1 from San Antonio Cindy thanks for calling you're on the air
1: Ron um I've got one of my I wonder questions, and and I kind of wonder about the Garden of Eden. I've been thinking about it the other day, imagining what it was like being there. And so it appears from the word that Satan, well, he was Lucifer then, I guess, was there, and he was hanging out. So I, I would imagine he must have chatted with Adam and Eve and, you know, just sort of hung around there. And the Lord the Lord God walked through through there, too, and what I was curious about was, do you think that uh, Gabriel and Michael, the archangels, would they have kind of hung out down there, too, and, and everybody kind of pal around together, sort of? It's, it's just <laughs> something I was thinking about. It's probably nonsensical, but it was something. No, I,
2: I, like, the, I like those questions, Cindy, very, very much. Okay, um, I'll
1: keep phone and listen.
2: Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, nobody palled around with Satan. Now remember, when Satan appeared in the garden, he'd already fallen. So he was already the devil. He was Lucifer before, the light bearer, but he became the devil, that serpent, ancient serpent, uh, after the fall. And certainly at that point, um, the the angels of God, those who kept their first estate, uh, would have no reason to pal around with him or hang out with him at all Satan was independent, he was on his own and he was on a mission to destroy um, God had plenty of representation in that garden he had Adam in an unfallen state he had Eve in an unfallen state he'd given them everything um, by the way I'm going to be talking about this tonight and in our study next Wednesday night uh, because we're we're going to be finishing chapter 3 these next two weeks Um and what we need to remember is that Satan uh, is a rebel. Uh, it's his 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 purpose is to destroy the things of God, and uh, that's what he was trying to do. So, um, there was no hanging around, uh, no palin around, uh, no discussion. Um, Satan, Cindy was looking for an opportunity to ruin this beautiful thing, the the creation, especially of man on the sixth day, he was trying to ruin that, to destroy that. And the opportunity that was given to him was Eve hanging around the tree that she had no business being around. I said in our study last Wednesday that a lot of bad things happen when we're in places that we're not supposed to be. Well, Eve would have been Looking at that tree, smelling the fruit on that tree who knows and and that's the opening that Satan needed, and God permitted him to deceive her, and she bought it, hook line and sinker, and of course, we know what happened. She gave it to Adam, Adam, he ate, and that's why we have coronavirus, that's why we have sin, it's why we have everything so Um, Yeah, Eden, when Satan was there, he was there as a usurper. And it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be. Cindy, and for anybody else who's interested again tonight, we're going to start in verse 6 of uh, Genesis uh, chapter 3. We're going to go, I think, to the 11th verse is all. Um, We're taking our time through this chapter in the fall because it's so very, very important. Good question, Cindy. I like the way your brain thinks. Here is a question from Chip uh, from our email inbox. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, 17 through 21, is Jesus saying that he will provide everything that we need, that the baskets are symbolic. He meets our individual needs represented by the 12 baskets, and he needs Meets our every need every day, seven days a week represented by the seven baskets. Chip not even close on this. Now, Jesus, remember in Mark chapter eight here, this is the feeding of the four thousand. Where are we going to get food for all these people? And Jesus is sort of I can almost see his forehead go or his hand go to his forehead and saying, Oi Ve These guys just don't get it. And so that's what he says. Let me read the passage. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears that fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets, uh, basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basket? Folds of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. And then he said to them, do you still not understand? The idea here is Jesus gave them not twelve baskets as a promise that God will meet their every need. God gave them twelve baskets, twelve disciples, twelve baskets. Each one had their own personal memorial of God's power and God's faithfulness. That's why Jesus said, bring the extras, pick it, and they brought in 12 baskets overflowing. When when he fed the 4,000, there were seven loaves left over, or or seven uh, baskets that they picked up. It's just Jesus saying, I'm faithful, you can trust me. And they didn't get it because, well, like you and me, they let circumstances change everything. 340-9585 Paul, I'm sorry we missed you uh, on your call. The the lines are open if you'd like to call again. Here is a question from Sheila. God's mercy, mercy is forever, so why wouldn't unsaved people get another chance after they die? Sheila, I think you misunderstand our condition before we die we are born into sin we are condemned the moment we come out of our mother's womb in fact the moment that we're conceived in our mother's womb and God gives us a chance because of the gift of his son to live with him forever but we have to make the choice and you're right God's mercy is forever but remember he also said I'll have mercy on who I have mercy Who will He have mercy on? Those who will receive it. The problem is, Sheila, we have to make a decision in this life about where we're going to spend forever. How could a loving God who honors our free will to choose, how could a loving God be rejected unto death and then say, well, you know, I want to give you one more chance. I know you didn't want anything to do with me on earth, but just one more chance... Why would He do that? He honors the choice that we make in the life that we live, He honors that same choice when we die. So, Sheila, we've got to make the choice about who we're going to serve while we are still alive. It's very important to remember that. I, I sometimes hear people say, well, I can't believe loving God would send somebody to hell forever. Well, he doesn't. He did that over his dead body. It's the last thing God wants, and he makes it very difficult for anybody to spend eternity in hell. So, Sheila, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You're going to find out just how good, how loving, and how patient our God really is. Here's another garden of the Eden or garden of Eden question from Neil. He says, "Why didn't God stop the serpent from tempting Eve?" Uh, Neil, the the answer is the same reason God doesn't stop the enemy from tempting you or tempting me. You see that tree, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Up to that point, they only knew good, and now all of a sudden there is an opportunity to know evil. They didn't need to know evil. But they had to make a choice. That tree was placed in the garden. I call it the tree of choice. In fact, that tree was placed in the garden so that mankind, God's greatest creation, would be forced. He would be forced, she would be forced to make their own individual free will choice about who they're going to serve. And in that way, Neil the serpent Satan the devil is a servant of God now he hates God but he's still a servant of God and the devil has got to do what God tells him so his job is tempting and God is using him in this world that we live in to give people choices what if the, the, the devil was trying to tempt Eve and in that process God said no well then Eve's profession of love for God would be worthless on the other hand if tempted she said no no God said don't touch this don't eat this and so I'm going to do what he told me to do if she made that choice imagine the pleasure of God oh she really loves me so God doesn't keep temptation from coming now make sure that we don't have to give in to temptation He doesn't tempt us beyond what we can bear. But make no mistake, Neil, every one of us has to make choices and dealing with temptation is at the root of that choice. I know we wish God would keep us from sinning, keep us from giving in to temptation or even being tempted. But again, when we say no to the temptation so that we can then say yes to Jesus, imagine the pleasure of God when we make the right choice. Good question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five Damon. I think I've got it right. Says what is the difference between a false teacher and someone who you just disagree with doctrinally, uh, Damon? The difference. What we call heresy. The difference always deals. Heretical difference always deals with the character and nature of Jesus Christ. For example, if somebody teaches, as the Jehovah's Witnesses do, or as the Mormons do, that Jesus was not God, that he was a son of God, as the Mormons say, but not God, or as the Jehovah's Witnesses say, that he's Michael the Archangel, the Mormons would claim that he is the spirit brother of Lucifer, sort of the good brother against the bad brother, Um, that's heresy, That's, that's a false teacher. Um, but but if it's just somebody you disagree with, for example, we talk uh, get questions on this program about Calvinism or different rapture timing theories, those kind of things. Um, you can disagree in the non essentials of our faith and not be a false teacher. I can say your doctrine is wrong, but but can't judge their heart as a false teacher. They're just misinformed. So the difference always deals with the character. Jesus, Is he God in flesh? Is he the man, God, always the God-man? And if their teaching messes with that essential of our faith, then you can paint them out as a false teacher. Let me expand into one other thing, away from doctrine specifically. Damon, a false teacher is somebody who also willfully and intentionally misrepresents the Word of God. And I'm thinking here of prosperity teachers, you know, the name-it-and-claim-it types, uh, just believe enough, have enough faith, give enough, God will bless you, or God will heal you. Um, that's Those are false teachers, and they need to be called out. We have so many of them in this part of the country, but now they're everywhere, they're all over the world. I have a friend who came back recently from Africa, Uh, And and, uh, the, the prosperity teachers are the ones that rushed in. They see a profit opportunity. And again, willfully false teaching, not just wrong doctrine, something you disagree with, but willfully false teaching also makes one a false teacher. They've been warned time and time and time again. They pay no attention to those warnings. Those are people that we can clearly say are false teachers. Now, not every prosperity preacher is a false teacher because they're not doing it willingly. I shouldn't say willingly, I should say willfully. Um, I've talked to people and asked them, I mean, I'm sure they're saved, but how can you believe this? And they're just deceived. Like Eve was deceived, they're deceived. That doesn't make them a heretic it just makes things wrong. You say, well, how do we know which is which? A lot of times, Damon, we don't. Here's what we can do. We can wait and rest in the assurance that God knows everything about their heart. And in the end, justice will be done. Here is a question from Devin. He says, how can Jesus be God if he didn't know the timing of his second coming? Uh, Devin, that's a question that causes confusion in a lot of people it's like well I thought Jesus knew everything he does but remember in his incarnation Philippians chapter 2 talks about this in his incarnation he laid aside the attributes of God one of those attributes would be his omniscience, all knowing another would be his omnipotence all powerful if he lays those aside what he's saying is that while he was here on earth, he wasn't concerned about his second coming. He was concerned with finishing the mission of his first visit to earth. Jesus now knows exactly when he's coming because you're right, he's God and he knows everything. But it's just not important now because the time has not yet arrived. So make no mistake, Devin, he is God and while he was here, with veiled deity, he didn't know everything, he knew what was in men's heart, and certainly he knew the word, and he knew a lot of things, but he didn't know everything. And that's all he's saying, he's just being honest. When's he coming? Nobody knows. It's it's the Father who knows. Well, I can promise the Holy Spirit knows, the Father knows, and now Jesus, as he's ascended to heaven and, and occupied his rightful place at the right hand of the majesty of God. Uh, he knows exactly when he's coming. So good question. Here is a question from Jack: Can demons read our minds? Jack, uh, no, I don't believe they can. Um, I've had people say, "Well, I don't want to pray out loud because I don't want the devil to hear." Um, if you're talking to Jesus, the devil's the last thing you got to worry about. If your heart's right, your motives are right. Um, Just focus on Jesus. Now relative to demons reading our minds, we know that the devil could plant thoughts and ideas into our head. We know that he put it into the mind of David to to count the fighting men of Israel. I think David's worst sin. Um, He can just sort of give a drive-by, you know, and drop a temptation or a thought. But he can't read our minds. Now, however, and I want you to remember this, the devil's been around a long time. Often say he's the greatest psychologist who's ever walked the face of this earth. And so he watches. He's a keen observer. He watches us. He knows uh, the buttons he can push to cause us to fall. So he knows our weak spot. And when he plants ideas, it's not because he can read your mind. He plants ideas so that he can manipulate your mind. But there's no evidence anywhere in Scripture that you can read our mind. Um, I hope, Jackie won't focus on the devil, rather you'll focus on being with Jesus. And if you'll do that, things will go much, much better for you. We needn't worry about praying out loud, the devil hearing our thoughts. Um, he knows them anyway for the most part, simply because he knows you, he studies you, but he can for sure. Um, thoughts in their minds here's a question from Roger in Acts chapter 4 is that an indication that God would prefer a socialist government Um, Roger in Acts chapter 4 the the, uh, thing you're talking about is is Barnabas he comes back uh, and lays he sold some property, he's a Levite and Levites weren't supposed to own property Uh, he was simply sort of repenting for past generations of sins but he said he laid the, the, the money from the sale of his property and gave it all to God. And the people went really, really nuts. It also says in Acts chapter 4 that um, the people cared for one another. Acts chapter 2, it says the same thing. They all had everything in common. Now, that's not a statement or a comment on a governmental style or system either in the church or in the world that we live in. That's a commentary on love. Imagine the first century church when people got saved, the, the, the early church was 100% Jewish. And remember, when people got saved, their families would disown them. They would actually hold funerals for them. They were dead to me, they would say the parents. And all because they became a believer in Christ. So what happened is that they're on their own. They've got this new family. I said earlier at the top of the program when I was asked a question about closing churches, um, they had to depend on one another. They wouldn't have made it. And they loved one another with such a depth that they couldn't bear to see someone... Uh, that they cared about, Uh, another brother or sister in the Lord. They couldn't bear to see someone do without, so they pooled their resources. They were there for each other one at a time. But it was in no way, shape, or form a commentary on what type of government God provides. I can promise you a socialist government is a government that's absolutely out of control. It's one of the things that makes somebody my age just shake their heads, that people could actually support a candidate like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, um, who who wants to change the the very things about this nation that made it great, and there's always poor people to prey on, there's always poor people that would support somebody who wants to give them something for nothing. But that's not what God wants us to do, God says work with your hands. Make your money. Use your money to honor the Lord. But work. If you're unwilling to work. He says, then you're, you ought, you ought to be ignored. Just left alone because you're lazy. So that's really important, Roger. There's nothing at all about the type of government God prefers. God knows that all government is corrupt. All governors are corrupt. What he's saying is, and he's talking to the church, to you and me, Roger, he's saying... If you see a brother or sister in need and you have the ability to take care of it, to help them in any way at all, do it. Don't wait to be asked, don't wait to be thanked, but just do it without letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So not at all a commentary on government style. That they had all things in common and shared with each other was simply love in action. And Oh, how the early church loved one another. Jesse says, he or she, uh, I'm, I, mean, I say that because I'm meeting so many female Jesses. Uh, Pastor Brian, how can we share the gospel without offending people? Jesse, don't worry about offending people. The gospel itself is an offense, so the truth is you're going to offend people. When you tell people you're a sinner, they're going to be be offended, even though they know instinctively that what you're telling them is true. And even though you're giving them the answer for that sin, Jesus Christ, believe in Him and, and your sin will be forgiven. People don't want to hear that, so they're going to be offended. So don't worry about it. The only, thing I, the only time I would ever tell somebody to worry about offending people is if it's your goal to offend people. And I know, believe it or not, some people who share the gospel purposely to try to offend people. They want to argue and they want to debate. Jesse, share the gospel. And if people are offended, trust that God's Holy Spirit will use that offense or perceived offense to, to make them ask some questions. So you just love people, you tell them the truth in love, and and tell them that Jesus Christ alone can rescue them. If they're offended by that, well, I'd say they're not very good friends. So Jesse, I hope that helps you. James, I want to say this will be our last question for today. Uh, were Adam and Eve real people or are they just an allegory? James, look at the the genealogy in Luke chapter 3. If I'm right, that traces Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. So if that's not true, then all of our Bible's not true. If Adam weren't the first man why would Jesus' genealogy go that far back? They were real people, the first two people ever made. They were created in perfection, and they blew it. But teaches, or, or churches that teach that, oh, that's just an allegory and their symbolism, Jesus affirmed that Adam and Eve were the first two people. If Jesus lied to us, James, we can't be saved. If this is just an allegory, then Jesus didn't understand the very Bible that he wrote. So these are very important things to deal with. Um, I'll go one step further since I'm teaching Genesis. If the first 11 chapters in Genesis, Genesis are not literally real, then we've lost every major doctrine of our faith. So it matters a great deal. Hey, tonight we'll be back uh, teaching Genesis chapter 3. Last time we'll be live for a couple weeks. Paul will be live in studio with me tomorrow on the Date Day Edition program. Ladies, it's your show. Have a great week serving Jesus. I'll see you tomorrow on AM 630, The Word.
0: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4,